Tavern Squad is a tabletop RPG podcast that features adult themes and language. Content warnings can be found in the episode notes. Take a moment to subscribe. Take a couple moments to leave a review. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Reddit, and Twitter. Or visit www.tavernsquad.com for more content. Since the dawn of high fantasy RPGs, there has been no greater stage for a story to be told or to begin than a tavern. The mythical epicenter for both adventure and drink alike. Armed with their dice, tankards, and creative expression, five D&D nerds quest for glory and to keep traditional narrative cliche alive. This is Tavern Squad. So today's cast is The Usual Squad. I am going to list them off as I usually do via Roll20, and we're going to do our character intro questions. Uh, so today, we are going to start with Jessica McGarry as Cecilia Slitherspoon. Hey yo, what's up? How you doing today, Jess? I'm good. Life is busy, but you know, it's exciting things are happening. So, Jessica, roll that D100 for us and let's see what your intro question is. Oh, I got a 10. You got a 10. Oh, that's so... That's so sad. That's so embarrassing. Um, <laughs> and speaking of embarrassing, your question is, what is the most embarrassing fashion trend that Cecilia used to rock? <laughs> that's a good one. Um, okay, so honestly, what I'm currently rocking is a little embarrassing. You said embarrassing? Embarrassing. It's a little embarrassing, but it's much better than her... Um, <laughs> Because she, they wear wigs, right? So, like, wigs are a common thing amongst us loser folks. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a wig that had, like, pom-pom, like, little palm trees in pigtail style. Like, oh, okay, like the space buns? You know how, like, little baby girls will have that? Their hair is, like, super short. Oh, like, yeah. yeah, li- yeah. Not space buns. No, it's, no. like... Small <laughs> like shocks trees. of hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, with, like, this really gross um yellow color okay um and then so that was my hair and then i had the same like i would say maybe it's like mustard yellow um like eyeshadow and then beige sandy like um you know you're adventuring out in the desert type of like flowy clothes okay it was it was a vibe back in the day and i had big chunky necklaces too right right but looking back oof so embarrassing. Even even Stacy was like, Cecilia, stop wearing that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, he went to beige topic and it was just really awkward. <laughs> Your whole family. All right. Well, thank you, Jessica and Cecilia, for that fun, embarrassing little fact. Uh, next up, we have Sean Paul playing G3. Oh, hello. How you doing today, Sean? I'm doing good. You know, how accidentally a little late night went to a metal show last night. Outdoors. Fuck yeah. But, uh... Sounds great. Metal, bro. Right? Get it. Been a while. So, very on par with G3, actually. <laughs> <laughs> but my D3 of the day is 81. Or, I'm sorry, D100. I'm sorry, what? He rolled an 81. You rolled an 81 on your D... Oh, okay. My <laughs> bad. I misunderstood. Fast transition. Just too fast for you. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, yeah, you blew my mind. <laughs> moving, s- moving slow this morning. All right, so 81 is, what is G3's go-to dance move? 
Oh, obviously the robot. <laughs> I don't think there's another choice there. <laughs> Maybe the sprinkler, but that's only like on weekends. <laughs> it's only when it goes really crazy. Right? When you're really cutting loose, you do the sprinkler. Yeah. <laughs> that's hilarious. And I guess I'm like wondering, what scenarios would G3 be in where he's needed to dance? Oh, man. You've never heard of the ragers that the guards throw? No, I haven't. Wow. They're like really normalized though, where it's like, oh, it's the guard Christmas party and, you know, it's guard 14's birthday. <laughs> right. And all the Warforge get down. Yeah, all the Warforge get down, you know, they get a nice, uh, what is it, grease and polish before they go. Everyone's looking their best. Some little magnetic bow ties. Yes. <laughs> Everybody's just glistening and looking sharp. Oh, yeah. It's, it's hard to actually walk into the room because it is so blindingly shiny. <laughs> It's like a room full of disco balls. <laughs> yeah, pr pretty much. Or bald guys. <laughs> Oof. It's okay, guys. I'm going to be bald soon, so I'll be joining you. I'm on the path as well. Right? <laughs> so that wasn't hate. That was respect. <laughs> the next person in line is Dan the Mystery Man playing Roynar Karagark. What's up? How you doing today, Dan? Oh, you know, doing pretty well. It's cold here. So... But how it goes. You know, I'm sleeping a lot more lately. It's dark earlier. So much less motivation. What are you going to do? Oh. <laughs> He's solar powered. That's what we like to say. Connor gets up whenever the sun gets up. Mm -hmm. Super that, early in the summer. That's true. That's true. And I sleep. I don't care. Jessica sleeps. I sleep. But you know what we're not sleeping on? This, this D100. <laughs> uh, Roy got a 52. Roy got a 52. What was your favorite vacation that you went on as a kid? Oh, let's see. Um, you know, there's this really fantastic beach in the northwest corner of the Hezgacosa, kind of right where it meets, uh, you know, the southeastern corner of Baltarac. Beautiful, pristine beaches. Lovely, you know. It's, it's Eric Cockerland, and they really know how to, you know, have a nice tropical getaway. So, All right. Thank you, Dan, for that lovely recounting. Last, but certainly not least, we have Andre Ryu as Tums. Yeah, I'm Andre. I, I play a disgruntled postal worker turned thief. You're no longer a postal worker, technically, because you got fired. Tums. No longer a postal worker. <laughs> yeah. That's right. <laughs> Former post goblin, now thief. <laughs> now thief. <laughs> Generally weird guy. Yeah, but we, we has a special place in our hearts. And let's learn a little bit more about him. Yeah. Go ahead and roll that D, hunt. Yeah, let's see what that's about. Um, so, our 35. So, what, what are we going to learn about Tums today? Well, kind of similarly to G3, I guess, is Tums a good dancer? Uh, I'd say that he is not a good dancer, but he's a confident dancer. Mm. <laughs> the best kind. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, if you asked him to do the Charleston, he wouldn't know what you're asking, but... Um, you ask him to do the Charleston, and he just tries to act like his friend Charles, and he just tries to dance like his friend Charles exactly. would dance. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's really just more like, a, you know, they say like there's like a two-step dance or whatever. It, for Tums, it's just like a, a one-and-a-half step. like. But he, but he does it vigorously, so... Oh, so he dances like Elaine in Seinfeld. Yes. Really herky-jerky. <laughs> 100%. Well, everybody, thank you so much for these intro questions. It's fun to get to know more about the world we play in and the characters you are playing. You should have to roll for Scout Ratty. Yeah, we should have you roll. Roll for Scout Ratty. Okay. I hope we just make Scout Ratty, like, whatever we find out about his personality. He's just a piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> just like... <laughs> 
Okay. Just a horrible rat. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, so 56 is what Scout Ratty rolled. And 56 is, if you could own an Earth vehicle, what vehicle would it be? Oh, that's a great question. What would Scout Ratty want? I think Scout Ratty, because he's a sewer rat, I think he'd kind of want, like, one of those fancy RC, like, boats. Do you guys remember, like, did you ever go to, like, a big city where they had, like, a pond and there were, like, people who had, like, RC boats? Like, like, like Stuart Little. Little. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah Dan. I yes. guess I guess I lived Stuart Little more <laughs> than I watched Stuart Little. Um Except there was no uh, rat. So I do think that Scout Ratty would... Not until now. (laughs) Not until now. Uh, So Scout Ratty would definitely pick, like, a little RC boat that, like, he could control and, like, go through the uh, the sewers. Nice. Yeah. I really hope the, like, big bad in our game is Stuart Little because... (laughs) I, I mean, he's really the villain in that movie. I mean, what? he took a spot from, like, a uh, real child. Like, who fucking adopts a rat when you could adopt a real child? I'm sorry, but that's, like... Okay, but at the same, <laughs> but at the like, same time, if you were asking me right now, adopt a rat or adopt a child, I would probably take a rat. Yeah, but, I mean, those people were looking to adopt, and they chose a rat. Like, that seems kind of fucked up to me, I'm just saying. Yeah, like, but he was, like... Yeah, they, they were, like... They were like human suffering. The mouse was like sentient. This little rat, though. though. Like he has a conscience and shit. I don't know. I like Stuart Little. Don't ruin my childhood vision. Well, maybe show. he can be like a mini bus, and then like the real big bad can be the parents, the director of Stuart Little, M Night Shyamalan, M Night Shyamalan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's the real villain. Hit us with the twist ending every time. <laughs> We'd all just be waiting for the twists, though, of that fight. I know. We'd be like, all right, when when does it happen? <laughs> Stop trusting each other. That's how he gets you. <laughs> there, the twist is no twist. <laughs> you never see it coming. With an M. Night movie, that's the biggest twist of all. Right? The, the twist is everything was really well laid out and completely predictable. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Now, speaking of completely predictable, let's get into our show today. Uh, so, so, um... No one else laughed. <laughs> Nobody. That's our... <laughs> yeah, it was just kind of a burn. I was like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> that segue, though. You know, thank you, Jessica. <laughs> All right, so just a little recap as to what happened last episode. You guys were in the sewer pretty much the entire time. You walked around, you found a room full of abyssal wretches with one rudderkin who was wearing a suit. You were thinking about, you know, seeing what this was about. Tums, you know, got into the room a little bit, but then he turned tail because it's a terrifying room to be in. Then you guys met an ogre woman named Polka. Uh, She told you a little bit of information uh, that there was like a red room somewhere. Uh, she also directed you towards this strange sewer pipe. You went through the sewer pipe to see that it was more of like a secret passageway to the basement of Mrs. Butterfield. Uh, and at the other side of this pipe, you found Mrs. Butterfield's body along with a note. Kind of like a love letter from Jape. This love letter seemed to have all of the answers for the tube puzzle. You guys did the tube puzzle, you walked in, and you found the mysterious Mrs. Butter... Uh, I want to say Butterworth. She got that bottle-shaped body. (laughs) You guys went through the tube. You found the red room where you found that there was some ritual going on. There was some rudderkin. There were some abyssal wretches. And you could see the mysterious Mrs. Butterfield baiting an ogre abyssal wretch to kind of like slam into the ceiling repeatedly. Uh, You guys then proceeded to do an awesome sneak attack, diving in and launching an assault. And let's come into the last 
couple seconds of that assault. The very last round that we left off with, Tums decided to shoot, uh, or you used cat, like, sorry, you used create bonfire, right? And you- That's correct. Targeted it on the ritual flame. When that happened, it released a burst of fire energy that burnt the abyssal wretches. This also caused the abyssal big body to die. Cecilia Slitherspoon then used her blood maledict to puppet the big body into hitting an additional wretch that was right next to G3. And as he died, he fell on the unconscious body of the Vidalcan. And once that big body crushed him, the flame went from orange and red to green. And suddenly you saw this growing green light that emanated out of the chest of these Rudderkin and Abyssal wretches. Their eyes burned with this green flame. A chorus of foul howls echoed throughout the sewers as it seemed every one of the Abyssal wretches had been enraged. And that's where we are now, back in this combat. And so conveniently for me, on the Abyssal wretches' turn. This room now bathed in green light, it is deafening hearing the sounds of these roaring, howling, gnashing creatures as they all start to move in more jerky motions, their multiple mouths kind of chittering, their teeth clattering together, and the, the pungent smell of just lumpy, rotting flesh assaults your nostrils. These abyssal wretches, now infused with this green, unfettered power, are now in a reckless state. They are going to attack with advantage, but when you attack them, you will have advantage. They have gone wild and bloodthirsty. They give no regard to their own personal safety. And with that, the abyssal wretch right in front of you, G3, with rage in its eyes, it sinks its fingers into kind of like the metal plating on your thigh, and it starts to like bend and rip at it. It gets a 20 versus your armor class. Oh yeah, that hits. So as it pries the metal, it gets two slashing damage on you. I believe you are still in a rage, so that's only going to be one damage. That's nice. So it tries to pull at your metal, and it bends it slightly, but this fleshy, bulbous little creature doesn't have much strength behind it. Now, Tums, you are in this corner. Now you start to feel pretty exposed, as one of these abyssal wretches fixes its green flaming eyes on you and it lopes over towards you and takes a swing with its hand with a mouth right in the palm. And it gets a natural 20. You are going to take six damage as this creature runs up and just slaps you right in the neck and then its mouth closes down and just bites a chunk on your neck and it pulls its hand back and just pulls away some of your flesh uh, and a warm gout of blood pours down the front of your chest. Damn. But it doesn't stick to your armor. Your armor looks fucking dope. Your armor's still clean. It looks fucking great. You're going to die and look like a god. <laughs> great. <laughs> right as the blood runs over it, it just like poofs away. It like it like sizzles, like it's boiling off and there's no residue. I just I just want to add, Tom has been reduced to one HP. Damn. Ooh. Do you have a health potion? I think you have the health potions. Do I no. have it? Cecilia has the health potions. All right. I'm on my way. All right, so after the Abyssal Wretches is now Art Demlin's turn. 
right outside of the Red Room, Art is fighting a Rudderkin with Scout Ratty. Scout Ratty is latched onto the neck of this Rudderkin, and now that it has kind of gone berserk, it is flailing around wildly, and Scout Ratty, being a diligent little rat, is clinging on, and his like little rat body is like, flapping all over as this thing's wigging out. Art Demlin reaches into his quiver, and he takes out two arrows. He takes one and immediately stabs it into the eye of the Rudderkin with a 12 to beat its armor class, which succeeds, and dealing four damage, which is one more than is needed to kill this Rudderkin. That rat poopy bite's a horrible way to go. Let's put you out of your misery. And he drives his arrow into its eye, and as he does, this green energy kind of bursts like a popping eyeball and just like extinguishes in the air as this Rudderkin falls limp and blobby to the ground. Then, taking his other arrow, knocks it in his bow, pulls back, and shoots at the Abyssal Wretch right in front of Tums. I've got your back! And he lets off an arrow. He gets a 21 to hit, which is more than enough to hit. He deals eight damage, which is two more than needed to defeat this particular Abyssal Wretch. So as this arrow sinks into the back of its head, likewise its eyes burst, and it falls limp and deflated blobby at your feet, Tums. Whew! And as you look down, it is now the Rudderkin's turn, and you look back up to see the last Rudderkin in the room start charging in your direction. He could either get to Art, or he could get to you. And I think either one of you is a decent target. So now, I'm going to ask for you to choose odds or evens, and then I want you to roll a d6 and see what happens. If you succeed, it'll go for Art Demlin. If you fail, it'll go for you. Okay, I'll pick odds. And it's a one, which is odds. So you see this thing loping towards you, and you're clutching at your neck, blood streaming through your fingers, sizzling off of your magic clean armor. And the Rudderkin seems to notice Art out of the corner of his eye, and it just spins on its heel, charges for Art Demlin, and makes an attack for 16 against his armor class, which is enough to hit. And he just chomps right into his shoulder, piercing through his leather armor. He deals... 11 piercing damage to Art Demlin. So a, just a gout of blood comes out of Art's shoulder. He is looking severely wounded. And he just kind of looks out to you, Tums, with pleading eyes. And he says, help me, please. And then he turns to Cecilia and extends his arm and goes, please. <laughs> and he looks to Scout Ratty and extends his hand and goes, please. <laughs> and Scout Ratty pulls out his gun. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so uh, after that Rudderkin's turn, it is now Roynar's turn. Yes, uh, so uh, if I remember correctly, I am still feared, so I don't believe I can move. Yes, that's correct. I would like to uh, use my action to try to get the, the big body uh, Abyssal Wretch off of the Vidalkin. Okay. If possible, without technically moving. That is possible. You will need to make a... You know, let's say athletics. It's athletic to lift heavy shit. Okay, athletics. I get a lot better boost to that. Uh, Roy got a 21 to athletics. Nice. All right. Yeah, you put your hands down, and it's unfortunate that the best handle you meet is just, like, this ripped part of skin by the rib cage. So you have to stick your fingers inside and, you know, lift with your back, jerk your knees up just the proper way <laughs> to lift. And you manage to throw this ogre, roll it over onto its back. Could I do, like, anything further, like, in terms of medicine or, like, trying to stabilize this individual? I would say you can make a medicine check to stabilize as a bonus action. Well, I'm not very good at medicine, so this might not work, but... 
Who knew? <laughs> uh, Roy got a three to his medicine check. <laughs> <laughs> you unfortunately hurt him, so you'll make him have an immediate fail on his death saving throw. How do you think Roy would try to help and end up harming? Well, I mean, you know, he is still holding his sword and his shield because he's always ready for combat. And so, you know, he's able to pick the, the, the abyssal wretch off of the Vidalkin without hurting him, but then he gets in there and there's like his sword blade is kind of like scrabbling around on this guy while he's trying to like heal him. So he ends up kind of like slicing him and maybe cutting off a finger. It's kind of like the operating room for Edward Scissorhands, right? <laughs> trying to stabilize when you slice him up more. <laughs> Yes, yeah, so you exactly. cut him in more blood. It comes out of this Vidalkin's body. Just labored, sputtering breaths. What do I need to make again? A wisdom save? Yes, you need to make a wisdom saving throw to get out of your fear. That's also not very good for me. And I... I did not critically fail. That's not a critical oh, no. fail. That's a two minus one <laughs> makes a one. So I just did wow. it. I just did it. Again. I think let's say that while you're panicking, trying to like help him, but you're like actually carving him up, you like, you don't do anything to like bring your condition to a more stable <laughs> point. You're just freaking out. There's more blood. This is not going the way you uh, thought it would go. Yeah, like, even above the din of all of this like fighting, the clattering of your armor is still like, <laughs> like you can hear you like quaking over in that corner. Clink, clink, clink. I somehow managed to be more loud and metallic than the big metallic guy we have brought with you. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's different when the metal is like your body, as opposed to <laughs> an <true>. extension. <laughs> um, yeah. All right, so now it is the Vidalkin's turn. He's going to have to make a death saving throw. Uh, he gets a 12, so that's one success. You have one success and one failure. Now it is Scout Ratty's turn. Uh, so Scout Ratty has already tasted blood, uh, but I think... <laughs> He's in it, man. Uh, I, I feel like he's in it. So I think what we're going to do is I'm going to say, if you roll on a D6, Andre, mm -hmm. on a D6, if you roll a one or two, uh, Scout Ratty will run away. Or if you roll, you know, three, four, five, six, he will continue his quest for, for blood and glory. <laughs> All right. So here it is. Scout Ratty with a two. Oh. Okay. Oh. Yeah, blood and glory only gets you so far. Uh, after seeing Art Demlin call to literally everybody for help, <laughs> Scout Ratty is not feeling it. So would Scout Ratty flee or would he, like, I don't know, come to comfort his buddy? Uh, let's do an animal handling check. Let's just do a, a passive. You got to beat 11, right? You know what? We said 11 last time because he was content and he was fed, but now he is not content despite being fed. So we're going to say you have to make a saving throw of 13 for him to come to your aid. Seven. Okay. Yeah, he doesn't want to get any closer to the scary red room. He is going to lope back down the hallway outside of the red room along the sewage and wait. So he's not gone forever, possibly? No, not gone forever. Just well out of harm's way. Okay. There's no interest. I'll take that. Yeah. I'll take that. He still wants to be your friend. He still hopes you make it through so that he can get food. <laughs> Just like my ducks. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So next we're on to guard three, G3. You have this little crazy abyssal wretch in front of you, being all wily and spindly, gnashing his teeth, prying at your leg plate. What are you going to do? <laughs> so before G3 attacks, however much of a side eye a construct guard can give, 
he looks over at Roy because he's like, what are you doing, buddy? Who, like, <laughs> just clanking and shaking. And uh, <laughs> as he turns back, he's just going to swing his axe right into this into this monster. All right. And you will have advantage. Okay. G3's got a solid 25 to hit. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's more than enough. Uh, what's <laughs> What's your damage? Oh, 12 slashing? So it's a big hit. Like, as he is shaking his head at Roy, you know, that uh, confusion of what is this man doing just really translates into a smooth lateral slice. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, you just split through this thing. It just falls on the ground with a wet splat, and it is no more. And yeah, the green energy within it bursts outwards (sighs) as it lies motionless. And uh, G3, you know, he's a guard, city guard. His awareness is good. He sees Tums is having a rough time. So he is going ahead and use his movement to just step through the enemy he just killed, but get in front of Tums by kind of running down the hallway here. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, running past the altar, running past the uh, statue. He managed to get behind the statue and kind of step over Tums, uh, protecting him. And as you approach, you see Art Demlin on the ground, and he extends his hand to you, and he says, Please help me! <laughs> Just everyone and anyone. G3's like, I'm out of movement. <laughs> no more actions! <laughs> <laughs> All right, so next turn goes to Cecilia Slitherspoon. You are no longer feared. What would you like to do? Okay, so I'm going to lick my crossbow alongside of my arm to get the blood and the extra damage. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to shoot it at the monster that is attacking the tabaxi. So is your mouth bleeding? No, it's on my upper arm. Lick was just like the t- like the arrow licked like my she's, arm. Oh, okay. I got a totally different visual. I can do that. You don't. You do whatever. Cut your tongue. You do, you do whatever you want. Uh, 18 to hit. That will hit. Well, I got nine damage. And then if I can move, I want to, like, kind of walk up, maybe, like, behind the tabaxi. I don't know. I kind of want to get in the room. Do I see any, like, bad guys approaching from the other side? Or do I hear Make a perception check. I got 21 to perception. As you decide to ford through the sewer water, getting right behind Art, you turn over your left shoulder and see down the tunnel. You see that there is a grate there, just iron bars. And from beyond them, you see kind of a another hallway. It's like a T-intersection. And you see these glowing green lights loping past, going past these uh, bars, like they're spreading throughout the sewer. Uh, I'm going to need you to make a stealth with disadvantage for me, please. I got 13. Okay. And these Rudderkin got a four for their perception. They keep loping across your field of view and passing down deeper tunnels. So with the end of Cecilia's turn, it is now Tums's turn. Okay. Um, so Tums's first action, um, he knows that Cecilia has the health potions. He's going to cast his mage hand to reach out and acquire one of those potions. Okay. I'll say that you could get it as a bonus action. Do I need to cast anything for that for dexterity? It seems like I'm pretty. No, it seems pretty straightforward. You're you're a dexterous little post ex post goblin, and you've had to get small things delicately from place to place. You are a post post goblin. <laughs> oh, oh my god, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, so it's no problem. Uh, I don't want to be a post 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 goblin, uh, so I need this health potion. <laughs> All right, like now. Yeah, so I just say yeah. It extends out. It grabs the bottle and. <laughs> Comes all the way back. 
Uh, is it like an action to consume the potion? It is an action to consume the potion. Using that health potion, that is 2d4 plus 2 health. 3 plus 2. So 5 health added. Okay. Up to 6, just below where I was. Well, it's better than 1. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. You take this healing potion, you press it to your lips, and as you drink, you feel more invigorated. You see some of these like cuts and slices start to diminish. Uh, it is also time for you to do your constitution saving throw to end your poisoned condition. 18. More than enough. I think with the potion and having G3 standing over you, you feel reinforced and you are no longer poisoned. Excellent. And I guess just as Tums is, is recovering, he would announce to the team, Hey guys, the altar! We need to focus on the altar! It is now Art Demlin's turn. Art is going to pull an arrow out of his quiver, and he stabs it into the neck of the Rudderkin twice. Uh, because he gets advantage, he gets a 22 and a 19 versus its armor class, which is more than enough to beat its AC, and he is going to deal 8 damage to the creature as he just stabs it repeatedly in the neck. GET THE HELL OFF OF ME! And the Rudderkin, uh, still bloodthirsty, is going to continue to try to attack the downed Art. Even with advantage, the Rudderkin only got 14, which is not enough to beat Art Demlin's AC. So it keeps reaching down, trying to, like, bite him in, but the leather this time is just... it's too thick. The Rudderkin isn't going hard enough. And so its nails just scrape off of the leather, like, embedding in the leather as this thing is just, like furiously gnashing down at Art Demlin. We're going to go to Roynar Karagark. So, Roynar, you've just carved a little side of Vidalkin, uh, and you're still right in front of him. Uh, what would you like to do? Yeah, uh, maybe I'll put my weapons down this time and try to do a medicine check. I don't know. Putting your weapon down, <laughs> I'll allow you to have advantage. If you spend your whole turn trying to do medicine, I will give you advantage. Yes. Yo, I got a 12. I'd say putting down your weapons is actually like a really good thing to do before you give someone medical assistance. Yeah. While 12 is not enough to stabilize him immediately, I'll say that you give him another success on his saving throws. So still clanking around in the back of the room, Roy is able to like hastily reattach some of the fingers he chopped off and like <laughs> stick some cloth around him and then just staunch some of his wounds in general. And on the end of that turn, let's try another minus one wisdom save. Hey, hey, hey! Ugh! I, I would have critted, but I get a minus one, so I got a 19. Okay, that is more than enough. Yeah, you come to your senses, dropping your sword, using super glue to stick this guy's fingers on. Some of them are still backwards. But yeah, as you look around, you see that the fight is coming to a close as your friends are ganging up on the last Rudderkin who is beating down on Art Demlin. Now we are going to go to the Vidalkin's turn where he will have to make another death save. A 19 to his final death saving throw. So he is now stable and at zero hit points. Now, as this happens, this wild green flame shrinks back down to, I would say, like a basketball-sized red and orange flame. And the Rudderkin, who is wildly howling on top of Art Demlin, starts to kind of like slow down as this green aura in light from its eyes dies away. Hmm. Now it's Scout Raddy's turn. I think Scout Raddy could try to be a brave rat, um... But this time I do think it's back down to an odds or even. So Andre, why don't you do an odds and evens for us? I'm going to say odds. So it's a five. So as the abyssal screaming kind of simmers down, Scout Raddy's like, oh, they're weak. This is my chance. And he lopes back over to Art Demlin and he goes for a bite on the Rudderkin. Uh, go ahead and roll that that bite. Uh, Scout Raddy rolled a uh, 
It's a 20. For a 20 versus the Rudderkin's AC, that is a hit. What is the damage? Scout Ratty deals uh, five piercing damage. Oh yeah, Scout Ratty has done this before. He knows just the spot, the neck. He leaps up and clamps his little rat teeth down. The Rudderkin can have diseases, so I'll do the constitution saving throw. Rudderkin gets a 17, which is more than enough. He does not succumb to the rat poopy bite disease. Uh, G3, it's now your turn. You see this Rudderkin being stabbed, and then a rat leaps out from beyond the doorway and fucking chomps down on this Rudderkin's neck. It's still on top of Art Demlin. What would you like to do? G3, in the safest way possible, is just going to vertically bring down his great axe. And he rolls a 19 to hit. 19 is more than enough. And uh, that's for a solid 16 damage, just coming down hard. Dude, you're fucking killing it with the damage right now. Beast mode. And I'd say in order to do it safely, you aim for, like, the lower back, and you just, like, cut this thing from the tailbone, like, right clean through it, just cutting his butt in half, (laughs) and these, like, organs slip out, and he just, like, falls to the ground dead on top of heart. Real on point with your descriptions today, Connor. Thanks. Been real gnarly. <laughs> uh, I think my ancestral guardian, by the way, it would kind of just appear behind me, like peek over my shoulder, and then just go back. Just like, oh, okay, yeah, you got this. Yep, got this one. All right. <laughs> Good job, buddy. Keep going. It Great. pats you on the back. Oh. And and dissipates, and all of the violence that occurred in this room, the noise, the calamity, comes to an abrupt end as you cut this thing's ass in half, and it falls apart. <laughs> Old half-ass. I think G3 would turn around to Tums and uh, reach out his giant hand. Tiny Goblin, are you okay? Oh, man, I I, have been better, but uh, I think we'll be okay. You mentioned something about the altar? Yeah, when when I cast, uh, I put a bonfire over it and it sucked it up and all these guys got really pissed off. So I think it's good if we we do something to the altar. It seems to, uh, they seem protective of it or or they uh they need it okay well it is my turn next so i'm gonna scramble over hearing what you just said tums scramble over and like knock the altar over like spill all the contents in the bowl if i can okay you're just gonna run over and try to disrupt this thing with your hands (laughs) uh well now you say it like that (laughs) well all right go ahead and make a constitution saving throw oh no oh fuck i got a 10 Okay, that is not enough. Uh, you're going to take 3d6 fire damage. <laughs> That's 9 fire damage. Okay, alright. Alright, so what you do is you run over to the altar, just thinking to dispel the spell. You see that there is a bowl kind of carved out of this big rectangular altar. And as you like move your hands in to mess with the components... You feel like what feels like a bone. You put your fingers through blood. Ew. As well as like some, I don't know, like bundles of herbs. Mm. And as you like swipe your hand through, the flame kind of like gutters out for a moment. And then like one of those birthday candles that you can't blow out, it just like reignites and it burns your forearms. Fuck. And you hear this chuckling from behind you. (laughs) That's not going to work. And you turn to see the Vidalcan with, like, a little bit of blood coming out of his mouth and, uh, from his nose. Cecilia, hearing the laugh, just gets really pissed off, draws her short sword and, like, puts it right up to the guy's throat. All right, not Mrs. Butterfield. You're gonna tell us what the heck is going on here, or I'm gonna re-kill ya. And he... 
Go ahead and uh, make an intimidation roll, please. As I hiss at him. Five! <laughs> so as you hiss at him, there's just like spit that flies out of your mouth and it just hits him in the face. <laughs> and he just like looks disgusted. And with a hateful glare, he looks back at you. What's happening is the end of the wandering city. And he smiles. There's nothing you can do to stop it now. Um, if when he hears that, I think um, Tom's is gonna focus on the altar, and he'd like to cast the bonfire again. Your flames engulf the other flames, and suddenly those flames get sucked into the ritual flames. And this time they don't burst outwards, but they the flame seems to grow. What happened last time does not happen. Again, your concentration is pulled away from you as this flame gets larger and more bold. Okay. And the Vidalkin's eyes widen as he sees this and a smile crosses his face. Oh no, uh, don't do that anymore. Don't do that to the spell. And to paint this scene, I imagine, Roynar, like, this guy is still kind of on the ground, and I imagine that, like, your hands are on his shoulders, kind of, like, keeping him in place. And so, while Cecilia was talking to him, and while Tums is, uh, fireballing the altar, I think at the mention of, like, destroying the Wandering City, Roy would grab him and say, What are you talking about? What are you planning? Who are you working for? Oh my, that is a whole lot of questions. Can a G3 assist Roy here? Let's say he had walked around and is loomingly standing behind the Vidalcan. Yeah, we can say everybody is now gathered in front of this altar. So looking around at the group and then looking back up to you, Roynar says, Well, well, that's an awful lot of questions. What I've done is bring forth my minions onto this plane. They seek to eat flesh, wreak havoc, and multiply. Soon the whole city will be devoured. And thanks to you, idiots, and you, the Vidalkin looks at Art Demlin, we will all be powerless to stop it. Can I try smashing the fucking tower again? Like, but not with my hands. <laughs> I don't know. Why don't you go ahead and make an arcana for me, Cecilia? Do I get advantage or no? Nope. Advantage to recall information about fey, fiends, or undead. Okay, I guess, yeah, I guess, yeah. With that, then yeah, you can get advantage. I got 23. With a 23, you know, after trying to disrupt the ritual, you know that some rituals can't just be, you can't just scatter the reagents and make it done. This is a very specific spell that there is an order of operations that goes into it to dispel it. It cannot be physically disrupted. Okay. Do I happen to know any of the order of operations? I would say that you don't. I would say that this spell, while it is about summoning and trying to control demons, you don't know how the spell has been put into action and what you need to do to reverse it. Okay. Um, I want to say, like, I have, like, spines that run along my back and they're usually, like, tucked under. uh All of them raise and I, like jump up and directly land on top of him. And then I start like biting on his face. Like, you're gonna fucking change it. You're gonna undo this goddamn spell. <laughs> okay, so are you trying to actually damage him? Yeah, I want, I want to bite because then I get health back. <laughs> okay, uh, yeah, go ahead and roll. But like non-lethally. like just... No, you cannot non-lethally <laughs> fucking eat someone. I'm sorry, miss. Go ahead and roll. So- Yeah, 13. 13. Yeah, you beat his armor class. Go ahead and roll damage. <laughs> Six. Oof. Six. Okay. So, um, yeah, I don't know. You bite his face, you eat his cheek meat, and he goes back 
into death saving throws. And this is the last time he can do it today. So you fucking maul him. And as you maul him, he laughs. Do I get health back? Yeah. Yeah, you can do your hungry jaws and get your health back. I just want to point out, uh, G3, I, I, I never ate anybody's face like I was on drugs. <laughs> yeah, and, and I think... <laughs> I think watching this happen, Roy would, like, try to push Cecilia off. He does not want this guy to die, at least before they've had a chance to talk to him. Why? Fuck him, bro. You're eating, his, you're eating face. his face and he's trying to destroy the city and we obviously don't know how to, like, <laughs> I would stop this. No, this is what I'm going to say, you little chaotic band. No one was expecting Cecilia to leap out and eat someone's face, okay? No one saw that coming. So it happens. You fucking rip <laughs> off some of this, like, Vidalkin's face meat and, like, he laughs the few seconds before he starts, like, dying. And now he is back into an unstable and dying position and Cecilia has finished eating his face. <laughs> And as you realize, Roynar, that his face is being eaten, you push Cecilia off, but it's, like, a little bit too late. And you, like, push her back, and she falls against the altar. And as you push, yeah, like, as you push, like, a little bit of meat tears off and in Cecilia's mouth, and she just finishes. No! And, Cecilia, you gain you gain whatever health back from eating uh, his face. Yeah, I got two health back. What Not are enough. you doing? I deserve more, to be honest. You know, I'll, you know what? I'll give you inspiration. That's fair. I'll give you inspiration because that's because that's great. Um, that was an inspired face eating okay. out of left field. Great play. Great play. Yeah. yeah. No one saw that one coming. Not even Scout Ratty. Okay. So now you see this guy. No one saw. Scout Ratty. Ooh, Scout Ratty starts eating. sniffing. That's on the He's table, interested. Huh? He's like, ooh, I could get down. I got. My meat. <laughs> <laughs> you hiss at Scout, and he just, like, runs behind Tums's leg. It's okay, little buddy. So now you're stuck with this bleeding face. Vidalkin, what do you want to do? So, guys, I also saw a bunch of um, demons, like, walking down the tunnels earlier. Like, not towards us necessarily, but, like, we should maybe check out what's going on upstairs. <laughs> she says, dabbing blood off of her cheeks. <laughs> right, a cloth napkin. Basically, as soon as Roy is able to get Cecilia off of the Vidalkin, he is going to again try to keep saving him. Okay. Wow, why do you care so much? All right, so again, I'll let you do a medicine... Um, and we'll just do it with advantage at this. Uh, you know what? We gave you advantage last time, but he's more hurt this time. Yeah. Uh, so without advantage, Roy got a 13 to medicine. Okay. And we're going to say it's kind of the same thing. You don't stabilize him, but you give him a success. And now we're going to have him roll. So I think Roy is like trying to do chest compressions. Like we need to know what he knows. Can't just go eating his face. Well, I didn't know I was going to kill him for God's sake. We gasped with Dulkin. Thought they were stronger than that shit. And as you, like, press on his chest and those compressions, you see, like, one cheek kind of inflates and like, some <laughs> of the air passes through the hole in his cheek as you're pressing down. You gave him one success. His death saving throw was a nine, so that's one failure. Uh, anything... Did we make Two-Face? Yeah, let's just burn it and cauterize the wound. I have fire breath, <laughs> I say out loud. <laughs> no, you're done here. Roy is now just trying to shield this poor meat sack from the other people trying to violate its body. Like, he does not like this guy, but shit, he's not trying to let two people go at him. At this point, Tums and G3, do you have any ideas or want to help in any way? Yes. <laughs> yeah, you, okay. you take the lead, G3. G3 noticed that the Vidalkin referenced Art. So G3 will turn over to Art and ask, Art, what do you know? That you haven't told us. In terms of what I know that I haven't told you, there's 
there's nothing I haven't told you. This guy did pay me to get the crystal and the Kotadanov for him. I didn't know what for exactly, and knowing- What, what, what crystal are you talking about? The one that was the museum? It's did the crystal that it? the DM kind of glossed over for most <laughs> of this story session. It's in the west wing of the- Yeah, museum. it's the other side of the museum. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's still in the museum. Yeah, that's right. We they're both up and they're all up in the museum. It's daytime, and he said when night falls, that's when terror will reign. So mm. I figure we have. And he looks at his watch. and He says we have eight hours until the sun sets. <laughs> he just has a watch. It's just a sundial on his wrist so that he can still read in the sewer with no sun. There's no. There's just like a very convenient like fucking sewer grate where the sun's shining down. And he just sticks his wrist under it and he's like, oh yeah, it's very conveniently eight hours. Does yeah. <laughs> there happen to be a sewer grate that we can like leave through well, this room? There is a giant staircase right next to us. <laughs> yeah, I would like to take that. Okay. Wait. Hold up. <laughs> You gotta check this guy's pockets. Does he have, like, the recipe book in his pockets or something? He's the guy. I really like that Roy's stabilizing him, and you guys are going through his pockets. <laughs> Same time. Roy is gonna continually try to keep this guy from dying, and meanwhile, he's just kind of muttering to himself, like, no, 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 no. And then he's gonna do, like, the chest compressions, trying to keep him alive, and maybe the guy's, like, sputtering out. So he's gonna say... What do you know about the imprisoned son? What do you know? Where is he? I was gonna do another medicine check. Yeah, exactly. Let's figure out if this guy lizard dies. So go ahead and do another medicine check. Uh, so Roy got a 10. All right, I'll count that as another success for him. Uh, but now this guy is on his own. Okay, so he has two successes that you gave him. He has one failure. So let's roll these death saves for him and just figure out whether or not he lives or dies. He rolls a 14. That's a success. That makes three successes. He comes alive for the last fucking time. <laughs> He like he wakes up and he like looks around really confused and his eyes fall on you, Roy Nar, and he's like, fuck, I wish I would have just died. <laughs> and as he kind of wakes up, he then catches you, Tums, with your hands, uh, I was going to say in his pants, but in his pockets, in, in his pants pockets, um, <laughs> you and uh, you find a spell focus. So like a wand, a well, neatly folded piece of paper. Uh, opening it up, it has abyssal writing on it. Can I read abyssal? Uh, I think we'd established you cannot, but oh. please double check. No, I speak common and draconic. Okay. Well, Tums can read anything, but he's out of spell slots, so he can't he can't read it yet. Not without a rest. I will say this just because Cecilia wanted to discuss this. As he kind of flutters back to life and Cecilia laughs, she goes up the stairway, and Cecilia, you see that the stairway ends, and there is this five foot by ten foot kind of ceiling above you, and there is a small drain that is about one foot in diameter. And looking up into this small diameter tube, um, you don't see any light coming from it, but you see, like, there is a metal grate that is sitting on top of it. Kind of, like, capping how, what we How big tube. is it? Uh, a foot. Can Cecilia use her reptilian body to try and fit through it? Uh, no. <laughs> okay. No, there's no way. We are we already established. Only things that can squish down can fit in a two. You think a we're a, below the museum? Do I think that? At me! I shout. Okay. And you shout that out loud, and you start to hear um, some muffled voices and some, like, scraping of stone on metal. 
and you start to see fragments of light come in as if someone is trying to move whatever's on top mm. of the grate. Now let's go back down. The Vidalkin looks around and looks up to the orc, Roynar. And he squints at you, Roynar. Oh, you're familiar. I feel like I've seen that face before. And he smiles. What do you know about the imprisoned son? Where did you get that tattoo? His slight smile broadens, and you can see this, like, malicious humor growing in his eyes. Oh, so it's it's you, eh? The last one. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. <sighs> I stopped working for him years ago, but not before... Well, not before... Your brother. What was his name again? And he, like, taps his mangled chin and kind of winces. Don't you dare utter his name. Don't soil his name with your lips. This malicious humor is just sparkling in his eyes as he hears you say this. And he says, well, as much as I would love to, I can't. I can't remember the name of that insignificant little pissant who was begging for his life at the very end. Rage is just filling Roy at this moment. And he kind of grabs him by his collar and brings him very close to his face. And he just says... Tell me where he is, and we can end your suffering now. Keep playing this game, and we can prolong it for as long as you want. He just smiles, and he says, He's where he's always been, and he's looking for you. He'll find you. The Wandering City won't be your home much longer. And then I think Roy would just pull out his dagger and kill him, because fuck it. This guy's... (laughs) He's over it. You stab him, and his body goes rigid for a moment as he's, like, realizing what's happening to him. And his gaze relaxes, and he kind of gives you this lazy, arrogant smile. You won't have to worry where he is. He's watching you. He has plans. And he falls back, slides off of your dagger, and collapses at the base of the altar. And once again, this orange flame bursts outwards into a green flame and again another revived chorus of angry howling demons fills the sewer space. You hear a loud sound from above you. Uh, It sounds like stone hitting stone, a large reverberating boom. And suddenly you hear Aunt May's voice. Cecilia? Cecilia! Aunt May! Are you okay? Yeah, are you okay? Yeah, there was something. It was trying to get into the museum. Are you okay? Are you okay? What happened? I'm fine. There's some dude trying to set off this spell, an evil spell, and he needs those two items, Aunt May. You need to get those two items away from here. He's right, like, has a whole setup right underneath the museum. And Art Demlin's, like, calls up to you. Um, he's dead. He's, I don't give a fuck if he's dead or alive. The spell's still going, motherfucker. We need to make sure those things are protected. It's not over yet, bitch. <laughs> so I'm going to tell Aunt May, like, secure those two items. The Krugen should be on their way. Okay. Like, there's a bunch of demons that have been walking through the sewers down here. Like, you really, you should leave this area with those items. Like, evacuate. Go towards my house, my home. Or even um, Stacy's home. Run! Fly, you fool! And May says, All right, got it. I think I can go to a, a neighboring museum or maybe a temple. Uh, Linden, will you help me? Um, yeah, I can help you, no problem. Or go to my house, too, Aunt May. This is your choice. I understand your selection, but you need to get more help. Like, 
look out for the Krugen and have them escort you. Yes, I understand, Cecilia. Uh, wait, 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 I found this. Uh, I, I can't reach anything right now, but, but I know this is Abyssal. Uh, Aunt May, do, do you read Abyssal? No, I, I can't say I do. And you hear Limden chime up. Um, I speak a little Abyssal. I mean, I'd say I'm more, you know, I'm not fluent. Shut I'm, up. I'm conversational. You're fine. Just read this. I've taken a few Duolingo lessons. <laughs> I'm no pro. Tom's will cast Mage Hand to pass the uh, the the letter up through the uh, the pipe. And Limden looks at it and he goes, um, okay, uh, here, let's see. Uh, hmm, well, uh, it looks like it's uh, a kind of a poem, uh, a poem ritual. It seems like it would rhyme, but uh, the translation doesn't really work from uh, Abyssal into, um, in the common, you see. Um, but essentially it looks like it's a little uh, laundry list. Uh, okay, that's how you summon, that's how you do it. Uh, okay, so it's it, it's okay, all right. All right, guys, here we go. This, we're working big bucks here. We're gonna figure this out and we're gonna do this quickly. I prom- we got this, all right, guys? All right, so it says uh, you need, in this order, um, the blood of the controller freshly spilled. Uh Uh-oh. A bone of the first spawn. uh, No specification on fresh or not. And then finally, it needs, it it says it needs water blessed by the starkin. That's the, that's the only way the translation works. Water blessed by the Starkin. Does that ring any bells to anyone? Is there like a, t- a title on this recipe? Uh, yeah, I had to flip through a couple pages of like personal life story. <laughs> <laughs> this, is my grandma- this is my grandmother's passed down recipe for raising the dead. She used it all the time. Uh, it's not undead, Mr. Karagark. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's Cecilia's fault. Yeah, you can use you can use demons in this recipe as a substitute for undead if you prefer them. <laughs> <laughs> but you have to scale it up by a factor of like one point seven five. It does. It's not a one to one type thing. Yeah, and add baking soda. <laughs> you all, yeah. Do you adjust for altitude? Oh, definitely got to adjust for altitude mm-hmm. and sewer fume. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is uh, how to summon uh, like lesser demons, uh, specifically kind of the blobby kind. So what we've been dealing with. Uh-huh. Oh, shit. What, what, what about uh, in the book? Would the book have any instructions on that? Uh, 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 about it? Could you look into that while you're squirreling things away? Uh, yeah, yeah, I could, uh, we could, we could look into that. Hold on. All right. And then you just hear this pitter-patter as Limden runs off. And you hear him kind of like, ah, oh, Aunt May, I need to see the book. No, no, I promise. It's absolutely legitimate. So while that's happening, like, are these cries, like, increasing? What, what kind of activity is going on outside of this nook in the sewers? Okay, so go ahead and make a perception, Roynar. Not very good at that. <laughs> Turns out there's a lot of skills I am not very good at. Oh, I critically failed. I am just enraged and fucking mad and in my own shit. And I'm basically just seeing red at this point. Yeah, you're just, you're so pissed. You just wish you could have maybe like a breath of fresh air or something. And you go to uh, the broken away wall that, that kind of made the passageway out into the sewer. I imagine uh, your hands are on either side of that like rock wall as you kind of like lean out using like that wall as support. And right as you lean forward, some of this crumbled rock gives way. You fall face forward and into the sewage with a loud splash. Everything I do is loud. So I also made a cacophony by fucking crumbling rock. 
<laughs> That's fair. Uh, so why don't you go ahead and also roll me a stealth? Come on, we already know what's gonna happen. Yeah, just do yeah. it anyway. <laughs> just do it anyway. Solid fours across the board. All right, so there's a loud splash, and you get up, just, you throw your head back with a, just a wave of this effluent splatter. You just look like a poopy Chanel model. And as your eyes focus and you look down the tunnel, you see two abyssal wretches and one rudderkin at the grate. And what piques your interest is that you see this rudderkin that was wearing a suit and it has a badge on its chest. Uh-oh. It's the one you saw in the abyssal wretch sleeping room. And it looks at you and its jaw falls a disturbing amount as it releases this horrible bellow. And the abyssal wretches right beside it start pressing at the bars and their goopy body starts like sliding through, kind of like that dude in X-Men, very first one, you know? He's kind of like wet and sloppy and sliding through these bars. You start to see through the pipe from which you guys came, you didn't relock it and these abyssal wretches start crawling through the tunnel from the north. It looks like your position is going to be flanked. All right, so let's have everybody roll initiative. Cecilia, what did you get? 21. Awesome. G3, what did you get? Oh, a very respectable four. (laughs) Very respectable, very respectable. Uh, Roy Nar, what did you get? Uh, Roy got a natural 20. Hey, there you go. Get it when it counts. Get it when it counts. Tums, what did you get? Tums rolled a 20. The abyssal wretches... Rolled a 17, and Art Demlin rolled a 17 as well. So, Roynar, you see that your position is going to be flanked. It is your turn. What would you like to do? I think this feels like a really great avenue for some of Roy's rage and frustration. So he's going to call back to G3 and say, They're flanking us! Take the north! And as he does that, he is going to rush south with his movement and engage the guys at the gate. Okay. Uh, and just to be clear, since these guys are kind of like wiling out, do we get advantage attacking them? Yes, this is the same thing where they are reckless. So they get advantage against you, but you get advantage against them. And I would say trying to like stab them through the bars, I would say a minus two to your attack roll. So Roy is going to focus first attack on the Rudderkin in the middle. Roy Nar, as you plunge forward, wading through the effluent and you ready your sword, you see the badge on this guy's chest. It looks like a sewer pipe and like a circular valve, like a handle, like, you know, what you would turn to turn off and on water. And you see on the badge, it says JP Washtrot. Oh, all JP. And you see he has his little sewer manager uniform. All right. Uh, so you dive into attack. Go ahead and roll your attack. Uh, and so with advantage and the uh, minus two for going through the bars, Roy got a 22 to hit the Rudderkin. Okay, uh, that will hit. Go ahead and roll damage. And that's going to be 11 slashing damage to the Rudderkin. And then at that point, Roy is going to use one of his Battlemaster uh, combat die to do a sweeping attack and uh, deal 1d8 of damage to the adjacent Abyssal Wretch. Ooh. So he does 8 damage to that one. So he, like, slices through with the sword, and it manages to kind of, like, clip both of them. 
I'm just gonna try to burn a lot of shit right now, because I can. Yeah, go for it. And then, feeling buoyed by the fact that his first attack hit, Roy is going to uh, use his action surge to make another attack against the Rudderkin. No way. All right. Dope. Uh, so that would be a 15 to hit. 15 will hit. Alrighty, and then with the one-handed damage, Roy does 12 slashing damage to the Rudderkin. Shoot! That's crazy, bro. That was so much. I did literally nothing that last battle. Like, I flew in on G3, and then I got scared and did <laughs> fucking nothing. So. Um, do you want to describe what this mass output of damage looks like? I mean, I think he's still just pretty enraged. Uh, the mention of his brother really kind of got him fired up. I think Roy is really taking advantage of the fact that he kind of has these demonic creatures a little bit at his mercy, and so he's just thrusting with his sword and nailing every hit, and a lot of memories are flooding through, mostly of his brother, as he's just kind of mangling these demons. Embodying all that fury, it is just sprays of blood and horrible demonic shrieking. That sounds like sweet music to your enraged ears. So, we will now go to Cecilia Slitherspin. Cecilia, you are at the bottom of the small drain shaft, and you see Limden run up as he has the book, and you hear him like, Oh, God, this thing is nasty. Yeah, it's sticky. <laughs> and he opens it up, and you hear this, like, weird... It's like this kind of horrible, goopy, like, as each page flips, like... And he's like, this is really, really gross. Um... <laughs> Limden, you're the guy in charge. What the fuck should we be doing? <laughs> so Limden looks down and says, All right, uh, in order to, to get the spell done, you'll need to do things in uh, the re- the reverse order, which, as it stands now, would be the blood of the controller freshly spilled. So try and take that out of the book. That's step one. That bowl? is step one. I don't know. Add it to the ritual. I don't know. I'm undead, man. You got, What are you doing to me here? Undead. Oh, no, I'm going Canadian. <laughs> He's not undead. Oh, that's his... Oh. That's, That's my specialty, yeah! God damn it! <laughs> and now this book here is so gross and sticky, and now what you okay. do this? Like, so, am I supposed to get, like, a, a turkey baster and, like, suck out the Well, yeah, Cecilia is just gonna run down, just, like, scoop up a bunch of his blood and toss it at the bowl, I guess. Alright, so you scoop just up the blood. bare hands. Yeah, <laughs> scoop, and, and you bloop it in there. And as you throw it into the green flame, the blood boils and bubbles up, and the green flame starts to change into this hue of, like, a very vibrant yellow. It seems that something has happened. Okay. What's next? Um, um, the next is the bone of the first spawn, or the first Should victim. Uh, Cecilia, it's the... It's the Sultan of Shit, the the Baron of of uh, Booboos, the uh, King of Dookie, the Prince of Dookie, the the JP Wastrot. Does Roy hear that perchance? You know what, Roy? Make a perception. Beat your passive score. I have to beat my own passive score. That's going to be hard. I have an I have a good passive perception, and I have a minus one to regular perception. So my my idea is that you are just kind of throwing everything to the wayside while you're just like furious. You just hear clanging and screeching. But what did you roll? Uh, Roy luckily got a 17, which beats his passive perception of 14. Okay, so amidst the stabbing and, like, wow, this Rudderkin is taking a breath in to release another horrible howl, you hear... J.P. Washtrot! Echo out down the hall. Washtrot's at the grate! I'm stabbing him right now! (laughs) Oh, shit. As I stab, stab, stab. (laughs) We need a bone! 
Roy, get a bone and throw it to us. Sure, not a problem. Snap, snap, snap. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Tums, it is now your turn. Okay. Uh, Limden, what's what's the last thing on, on the list? Um, the last thing on the list is, uh, I forget what the translation is exactly. It's water blessed by the starkin. Oh, the, the fountain. Uh, the, go tell the statue guy I'm really sorry and that we need some of his water and send it down on a rope, please. You hear Limden go, all right, yeah, I, I can do that. And he gets up and you hear like a little scuffling. He goes, I don't know why I'm saying this, but uh, Tom said he's sorry. Uh, and we're going to need some of it. Wait, I don't have a cup. I don't have a cup. Aunt, Aunt May. Aunt May, do you have a cup? Yeah, um, there's a cup right there on the desk. It's a mug. And he goes, oh, shit. And you hear another little pitter-patter. Well, it's not little. He's an average-sized human being. Um, I was picturing him as a gnome after the yeah. first time he said little. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, he's he's human-sized. He's an air genasi. Um, But, yeah, you hear his feet kind of, like, shuffling across the floor as he <laughs> runs off to get this next reagent for you. Uh, so, Tums, talking is kind of a free action. So, what would you like to do right now? If that was my free action, I'd like to use uh, my bonus action to dash. Uh, and so my movement is 60, which should get me out into the hallway. All right. So, yeah, Tom's using your dash. You sprint through the altar room and you come out to the sewage tunnel. This yellow light kind of backlighting you and spilling into the room. Looking north, you see abyssal wretches starting to pop out of the pipe through which you came. And looking south, you see Roynar stabbing through the bars at these goopy guys who are trying to press themselves through. Uh, does J.P. Washtrot have any bones dangling out of his body? Like, is there anything exposed that I could hook onto? You know what? Fuck it. You see his, like, forearm bones <laughs> sticking out of his forearm. Okay. Tums is going to cast his mage hand to grab onto that. That has a range of 30 feet. <laughs> okay. And you're just going to try to yank it? Yeah. Um, okay. So let's see. Yes. The hand usually can't do anything more than 20 pounds, but I'm going to let you do a spell attack roll against his strength and it'll be a contest. So what did you get for your spell attack? Spell attack is a six. Okay, uh, this Rudderkin gets a 14. So your little mage hand grabs onto the bones and like tries wiggling them um, and pulling. And it seems like this Rudderkin, this JP Rudderkin, is starting to like use some of that force to help him slide through the bars and get closer to Roynar. Um, but the bones do not get pulled out of the socket. Okay, do I maintain that grasp at least? Uh, we'll say sure. Yeah, you can still hold on to him. That, that'll end my turn. Art Demlin is going to run over out of the altar room and just kind of poke around in the sewer tunnel, and he looks north. And um, everybody collectively, give me an odds or an even. Odds. Okay, it is odds. Let's see. All right, and we rolled a five. So as he steps out and he looks at the sewage water, he sees his quiver of concussive arrows come floating through the poop. And <laughs> he reaches down and he grabs it and knocks two arrows and shoots concussive arrows at the pipe to the north. Art Demlin gets a 20 and a 21 for his concussive arrows. He shoots them straight into the pipe. There is this loud blast as he deals 12 damage to the abyssal wretches crawling through the pipe. And now it's time for the Abyssal Wretches and the Rudderkin. So here is what happens. Starting right next to Roynar, the Abyssal Wretch that is furthest to you on the left, Roynar, tries to squeeze through the grate, and that's a strength check. He rolls a three to a strength check, and he is struggling to squeeze through the grate. 
this other abyssal wretch that's right in front of you, the one who you kind of splash damaged, uh, he is going to make an attack at you through the bars, which will negate his advantage. It'll just be a straight roll. Uh, he gets a 12 versus your armor class. Uh, that is not hit. All right. He reaches out trying to put his little palm mouth on you, and he just gets it right against your gauntlet. It bites into the metal to no effect. Then, uh, JP Washtrot, he gets a 21 to his strength, so he presses through the bars and shows up right next to you. He is going to get advantage for his attack as he swings at you. He only gets a 13 versus your armor class. Uh, that also does not hit, and as it does not hit, I'd like to use my reaction to repost day and make a weapon attack against him. Absolutely, go for it. And that's advantaged still? That is advantaged because he is reckless. So you will get advantage on all attacks against these creatures. Uh, and that's a 17 to hit? Uh, that will hit. Okay, one-handed. And I'll also add a D8 to this. Uh, so that's a total of 11 damage. Yeah, you bring your sword up as he brings his right arm down and you just slice off the right arm completely and it falls into the water. Fucking metal. And it howls at you. Is, is that his other arm or is that the arm that I, that had the mage hand affixed to it? That is the other arm. Your mage hand is fastened to his left arm bones. His right is the one that got cut off and fell into the effluent. Uh, for the northern Rudderkin's turns, they spend their entire turns to dash and get over to Art Demlin. So they just like come flooding out of the pipe, splashing through the water, along the walkway, just loping, their eyes green with this flaming fury. And Art, seeing these three things closed in on him, looks back to you guys. Uh, I could use a hand. <laughs> I just cut one off. <laughs> <laughs> After the Abyssal Baddies go, it is Guard 3's turn. So G3, here in Art's request, is going to clomp his way over. And I do want to mention, your rage only lasts for a minute, and a minute has passed since the end of the last combat, so you are not raging. I'm not raging right now, but, oh, I'm out of rages, so. Oh shit, okay. This is going to be a thing. He moves up right next to Art kind of blocking these top three Rudderkin from getting down to Tums, who he now sees his mission, but was previously very concerned about him just running into battle all bloodied up. Um, and G3's going to take out his axe and swing at the Rudderkin right in front of Art. Critical fail on the first roll, but a 14 on the second. <laughs> well, thank goodness. Uh, I don't I don't think Art can take the damage you deal. Um, okay, so you get a 14. 14 is enough to hit this Abyssal Wretch. Go ahead and roll damage. Awesome. We got eight slashing. All right, and you put another Abyssal Wretch to grass as you bring your axe down into him, splitting him in twain, and his goopy, bloody mess sloughs off the sidewalkway and into the sewage and it's worth noting, because I'm not raging, my ancestral protector does not pop up. Nope, the last thing he did was give you a pat on the back and a thumbs up. <laughs> Just gotta keep it rolling. Alright. And uh, now it'll be Scout Raddy's turn. Uh, now we will go back to the top, so it is now Roynar's turn. So Roynar, what would you like to do? Uh, let's see. Would you consider it like a bonus well, I guess Tums is back there. In what direction is the water flowing? Uh, I would say the the water is flowing southwards. So that, that arm could disappear through the grate and get away from you. First things first, Roy is just going to try to end J.P. Rudderkin right in front of him. So he's going to make an attack. 
Uh, so that's a critical nice. against JP. As a racial feat, when I score a critical, I can roll one of my damage dice and add it to that hit. Okay. So that nice. That would be a oh fuck. I think it's a D10. It, it would be a D8 if you're using your sword. It's one a hand. D8. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Roy does 19 damage Ooh. on the critical to. JP Rutterkin. All right, Damn, you know that that is overkill. Um, do you want to describe JP Rutterkin's last moments? I think probably reeling from getting its arm chopped off. It's kind of you know like standing there a little bit stunned, and without missing a beat, Roy just brings his sword down and cleaves it in two. So with my action, killed him, and then with my bonus action, could I reach down, grab the hand? and like throw it or could I at least reach down and grab it so it doesn't go through the grate? Uh, I would allow you to throw it. You need to make a dex check to see if it gets where you want it to go. Um, You can at least pick it up. I'm going to try to pick it up and throw it at Tums. And that's just straight dex? Straight dex. (laughs) Now we've seen the flaw in my character. Uh, Roy got a four (laughs) to throwing the hand. Okay, so I'd say you you pick it up and you try to throw it, but it's like kind of slimy and gross, and your fingers slip off of it pretty much immediately, and it falls back in the water no closer, no further than where it was before. (laughs) So it goes. All right. It is now Cecilia's turn. Correct me if I'm wrong. Aunt May is going to like get the crystal and then eventually the book once Limden is done helping us with finishing the ending the ritual, mm-hmm. which we're just relying on his word. Can I do an insight to, to this guy? I already to did Limden? it. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah, you can do insight. I don't know if I trust him that much. All right. Fucking Limden, he's a skunk. He's, he's fucking, he's a liar. <laughs> Shut up, Limden, you fucking skunk. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, I got 15 to insight. Linden, you're pretty sure, does not know how to lie. <laughs> All right. Um, I'm just going to kind of like rush him. To be like, get the water, dude. Like, fucking hurry up. Do intimidation. 12. Okay, I would say that's kind of enough to put a little more pep in his step. He's like, all right, all right, I got it. And uh, you hear like a little splashing and he goes, yeah, Tom says sorry again. Uh, Thanks. And he walks back to the hole and he extends his arm with a cup. Try and reach up and grab it carefully. Okay. You have grabbed the cup. We'll say that that's like a bonus action. You can spend your action to double your movement, get back down to the altar. However, you will need to make a dexterity saving throw or potentially fall and spill. Um, well, I figure we still need to put the bone in first. That's fair. So I'm just gonna try and get back to the altar as smoothly and as quickly as possible. You can get to the base of the stairs. Okay. Okay. All right, and then I'm like, Tums, I got the water, hurry up! And now it is Tums' turn. Okay. With the creature being dead, do I need to do another roll to, to pull off the arm, or... Nope, your mage hand extends out, picks up the arm. I think, I don't know what the average weight of a human arm is, but I'm not going to worry about that. So yeah, you get your mage hand, you grab it, and you pull the hand over and into your possession. We'll say that's a bonus action to activate. So can I put it in the altar with the action and the speed that I have left? I think so. Let's use that measurement tool, man. Let's see. It's 30 feet. 
Yeah, so I could just swing the arm around and drop it in the bucket. It's second nature for you to do this sorting, but something might feel a little bit more exhilarating as instead of, you know, grabbing a package and putting it in a mailbox, you are grabbing a demon arm and throwing it into a ritual circle. It's like all of my training has it makes it's exhilarating in this one instance. This one time there's been a flash of this is the most critical piece of mail I've ever sorted. And <laughs> And it, it's, it's going on postal route number 10. Like. <laughs> and, you know, I like to imagine you add a little flourish, like whipping it around the, the winged statue <laughs> and dropping it in. And as you're doing so, um, you hear the voice in the back of your head go like, yes, yes, you can do it. You got this. Yes. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So you drop it in and the yellow flame then bursts outward and where flames would be, you know, going skyward, licking up, now the flames turn blue, and each tendril is like the tendril of an octopus, a cephalopod, as it like flails outward and to the side in these coiling strange flames, and a weird sort of like haunting note emanates from the altar. This tone starts to fill the room with just like a solid note of sound, and the blue flame whips wildly. Does does this note? Is it the brown note? Does it? Does does Tom's remember the the ray of sickness? When no, when he hears this note. No, okay. no, no. You are thankfully you are blessedly uh, continent. Now <laughs> it is Art Demlin's turn. He's he's kind of uh, between a rock and a hard place for the most part. Uh, there's a lot of dangerous stuff going on. Uh, Art is going to look at you, G three. Um, you see, he's just like bloody and worse for wear, and he says, uh, "I have to retreat, but I'll give you some cover." Appreciated. He releases two more of his concussive arrows with advantage. Oof. The first one is a 13, which succeeds. The second one is a natural 20, which succeeds. So the one on the left, the abyssal wretch on the left takes five damage. The abyssal wretch on your right takes nine damage as these rounded headed arrows with like a little ring of blue around them as it slams into each of them they burst outwards with like a flash of blue energy um kind of like a shock wave so it's just like boom, boom art demlin then spends well his just his movement to back into the altar room and take cover by the statue now it is the Abyssal Wretch's turn. We're going to start next to Roynar. So Roynar, the Abyssal Wretch right in front of you, tries to squeeze through the grating. With his strength check, he only gets a four. So this Abyssal Wretch cannot fit its way through the bars. Uh, it fits one arm through and tries to scratch at you. Uh, even with advantage, it only gets ten versus your armor class. Uh, that, yeah, that's yeah I know. That's, well, I know at this point. Uh, yeah, so he <laughs> brings his claw out trying to find purchase and just scrapes off of your half plate breastplate to no avail. The Rudderkin beside him that was further to you to your left manages to squeeze through the bars with an 11 for his strength. He lopes up to you and he goes for an attack. Uh, with advantage, he gets a 17 versus your armor class. That does not hit and on that miss, we'll take the option to attack it. Okay. He gets 22 to hit. That will hit. Uh, so that's seven damage. This Abyssal Wretch squeezes through the grate, and he brings his claw out at you, and you put up your shield to block him, and as, like, a repost day, you kind of do that, like, Spartan shield move, where you just bring your shield up over your head and thrust forward, and your blade sinks right into its ribs uh, as it howls in agony. Uh, behind you, Roy, over towards G3's part of the battlefield, the two Abyssal Wretches try to attack him. So G3 
You have a 12 versus your armor class and a 20 versus your armor class. The 20 will hit. That is going to deal nine damage to you as this creature manages to shove its hands into a fold in your armor, kind of like into your... He pretty much shoves his hand into a weak point in your joints and -hmm. starts pulling at some pretty important hardware, Uh uh, dealing nine damage to you. Okay. After the Abyssal Wretch's turn, it is Guard 3's turn. So the one that just attacked G3, he's going to swing back with his Great Axe. Okay. With only an 8 to hit. This creature is kind of like... So the one that hit you, he has his arm in your joint, and as you go to hit him, he kind of like pulls, and it pulls you off of your axis, um, and your, your swing goes wide as you are sent off kilter. So after being off kilter, G3 is going to try and regain a little bit of stability by sidestepping to also help block the entrance to the room where the ritual is going on. I would say that is easily done. You stand in front of the doorway, and as a good guard does, you block the way. Now we're going to go back to the tippy top with Roynar Karagark. Uh, do you want to give Ratty a turn? Oh shit, that's right. All right, so Ratty, Ratty's just hanging out. Let's do an odds or evens to see if he's into the battle, you know? Let's just keep it going. Uh, Tums, you know what I'm I'm going to say. It's going to be odds. <laughs> oh shit. Failed me this time. Scout Ratty looks at G3 being attacked, and he hears like all this battle going on, and he sees Art Demlin being like wounded. He sees the ritual flame going wild and blue and flapping around. Cecilia's eyes wide as she holds a cup of water. And then Scout Ratty's eyes fall to the rather delicious looking corpse of the Vidalcan. And he spends his action dashing over and <laughs> He starts to starts to nibble on the Vidalgan. Does that make you jealous at all, Cecilia? Or are you like, oh no, that was mine? <laughs> no, I'm kind of like, yeah, it's pretty good, huh, bud? <laughs> yeah, he's going for the cheek meat as well. <laughs> all right, so that scouts that scout Ratty's turn. Um, Roy Nar, it is now your turn. Cool. Uh, Roy is going to direct an attack at the Abyssal Wretch Red next to him. Uh, he got a natural 20. Goddamn, Roynar. Um, so then I will add a d8. Uh, so that's a total of 17 damage, right? 6 plus 6 plus 5. Mm-hmm. And is this towards the one that is on the other side of the grate, or the one on the same side of the grate? Uh, the one on the same side of the grate, right next to it. All right. A 17 is more than enough to vanquish this foe. I, uh, and I'd say it's not that flowery. It's just, you know, a slash and snick, and it just kind of collapses into a pile of blood and fat. All that. And the flow of the water pushes it and the body of J.P. Rutterkin up against the grate, and they just kind of, like, wriggle a little bit as the water is, like, pushing past their corpses. And is, is there anything else you want to do on your turn? Uh, no, I think, you know, Roy's just kind of... St- Almost standing and waiting for the other one. Like, look what I did to your homies. What's happening to you next? And this Rudderkin, like, looks you in the eye with indifference and fury and hunger. Cecilia, it is now your turn. You've made it to the base of the stairs with your cup of holy water intact. All right, I'm going to do one last shout up at Limden and be like, you sure this is fucking going to work? If Duolingo was right! (laughs) (laughs) All right. And Duolingo is just an owl that flutters around teaching people languages and then make yeah, them feel bad when they don't practice. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> it tries to teach you two languages at once, which is really not easy. Um, that's why they call it Duolingo. 
Alright, I'm gonna chuck the cup of water. I'm gonna preserve the cup, just dump the water. And then clutch All the right. cup and be like, and back up. Like, fuck. Alright, so Cecilia, you dump the holy water into the altar, and that blue flame grows into a very powerful blue and green and purple, like a multicolored flame, as these tendrils get wider and bigger and are lashing out at the sides of this room. Uh, I'm going to need Scout Ratty and Cecilia and Art Demlin to make dexterity saving throws. I got 23. Okay. Art Demlin gets a 24. Uh, Scout got a... Is it a 20? 20. Nice. (sighs) The little rat. Thank goodness. I would just... uh, My heart would break. Um... (laughs) He's just hiding yeah. behind the dead corpse. I would say he's not even hiding. He's just continuing to eat as, like, flames, like, lick and scratch <laughs> against the wall, leave scorch marks, knock stones out. Cecilia and Art Demlin are, like, bouncing around, ducking, jumping, and this flame grows, like, larger and larger, and this high note gets even more piercing and reverberating until there's this... And it sucks into a singularity of purple. Suddenly the the illumination falls out of this and a small, like, bead, like a marble, plinks into the altar right in the center. And all of these abyssal wretches, where there was green in their eyes, it flashes blue, purple, yellow, green, and they just curl up and in on themselves like a dying spider, just twisting and crumpling into the ground and into the sewer and going limp. There is a final silence. Hey folks, hope you enjoyed the episode. I know it was a long one, but hey, they did it! They subdued the evildoer and banished the horde of sewer demons back to their plane. Now all there is left to do is report to the law and bureau, collect an awesome family heirloom, and go back to the angry gut and have a nice pint of grog. Tune in next time to see how these heroes get their welcome. Do you want to tell us how you like the show? Or how Scat Ratty is now what you're naming your first child? Well, we here at The Tavern want to hear from you. Write a review, send us an email, message us on Facebook, Instagram, and Reddit. Be the next one to have your letter read on Tom's mailbag. Speaking of which, we don't have one for this month, and I I think we're lucky he was so preoccupied with the fight. He might take it personally, and I can't really have him steal any more of my shit. If you enjoyed this episode, please like and subscribe. Better yet, take a moment to share with a friend. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or Reddit for more fun stuff and updates. Links are in the episode notes. We want to extend another hearty hello to Tommy Attella, a budding Twitch streamer who plays games like Rocket League and Halo Infinite. Find him on Twitch at twitch.tv slash checksmix95. Links to his channel are in the episode notes. Our intro song is Briefcase Number 1, performed by Tartanic. Our intro speech is written and performed by Lou Fox. Other artists that provided music and sound effects are the RPG music maker, Travis Savoye, and Carl Casey from White Bad Audio. You can find links to their content and other contributors' content in the show notes. With that, the last call has been made, the tavern is closing, you don't have to go home, but you could write Tums a letter. Toodaloo. Why did you guy want this alive?
Well, that was Why so... Did you... <laughs> no, it's great. We're keeping it. Don't say anything else. Um... 